Hello and welcome to Wimcast number four, brought to you by the Vaults of Whimsy, still probably the most underprepared podcast currently available on iTunes. I'm Mark from What's Got Problems, and this is getting fucking predictable. You know what time it is. Say hello, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. How you doing, man? Yeah, um, I'm a bit hungover, but I'll, I'll, I'll soldier through. What have Sol- you been doing? Soldier through. I've I've been out on the town, Mark. A little bit of time on the old brass razoo. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, drinking some drinks. So, so Eddie, as we alluded to last week, um, mm-hmm. we are absolutely, or I'm absolutely delighted to be able to make some disembodied introductions here. Because <laughs> we've got a very, very, very... Very special guest today. We do? Um, yeah, and I'd like you to personally welcome Uri Bram to the show. Woo! Welcome, Uri oh, Bram. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. No. Oh, no, no, me. Oh, guys. I've never heard a one-man round of applause before. It, it doesn't find that quite as resounding. Don't worry, what we can do is, in post-production, we can edit, like, streams of applause. Oh, yeah. that, would, that would be great, yeah. So, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks, Mark. How are you? I'm very good. Um, so, Eddie, um, Uri's kind of beaming to us from halfway across the globe at the moment. Are you impressed at how clear oh. the audio is and how... That, yeah, it's actually very good. Where, whereabouts are you right now, Uri? I'm in Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv? Jeez, yeah, why there? Ah, oh, um, because it's great. Um, also well, because... You've got to be somewhere, right? So, you know, this is a place. So those two things combined. Well, Mark seems to think that he can, in fact, exist in Nowhere Land. (laughs) Uh, I do exist in Nowhere Land. Nobody knows what my face looks like. So so I just want to say I have never met Mark in real life and I kind of exist in the realm of ideas. (laughs) This is is interesting because Uri is actually, you know, he's, he's a pretty acclaimed author. And it'd be interesting, actually, if you just went into a little bit of detail about how we came across each other, because... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just me, wow. and you're you. Right, 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 right. So one day, one day, I was Googling my own name, I'm ashamed to say. But you know, really, we all do it. <laughs> should I be ashamed to say that? You want to know what's out there. Um, if you're wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> also, so, Mark and I, in next week's podcast, <laughs> Google my name. Yeah. Just a little bit Get of a... out. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Are you telling me, Eddie, that if I spend the next week of my life just writing things about your name online, would that be appreciated? <laughs> yeah, it would be. You should do that. Please. The, the, Add more the, things to my repertoire. The thing you have to understand is that... Um, so my name is Ori Bram. It's not, not mm. a hell of a common name. I don't think I've ever met anyone else with this name. But for I reasons... I never have that I can't predict. Um, in the 1900s, Jack London, uh, who was once a famous author, wrote a short story about a guy called Dory Bram. Um, so when I first Googled <laughs> really? my name, I was just swamped with this, you know, like, somewhat weird 19th century um, moral something lit. I'm not even sure how to describe <laughs> it. Kind of like a, like a cowboyish story. But, yeah, yeah, Rory Bram shoots a man. Moral lit. <laughs> Moral lit. Is that a category? It can yeah. be. We just, it we... is now. It is now. Ah, <laughs> oh, amazing. I, so I've now learned that any, um, any words I create, you know, like, while talking to you guys, become official words. That seems to be what's oh, happening. Oh, yeah, fuck it. We'll use whatever. <laughs> there's, actually, there's actually, like, an underground um, kind of sub genre of graphic novel which isn't it's not exactly moral lit but it's like philosophical literature that's based on hero worship of particular philosophers <laughs> check it out um wow. yes 
amazing. So we came. We, we, yes, uh, yes, you were, yes, you were, yes. You were talking about how we came across each other. <laughs> yes, so you were I was googling your name. I was googling my name as you do when I came across a review of one of my books, a review that would change my life forever because. <laughs> <laughs> And because it has. <laughs> not only not only did this review tell you know the readers of this blog that my book was and i quote worth a good thumb rogering which oh, is still the, the nicest the thing up now <laughs> the nicest thing anyone's ever said about anything i've written um it was also um you know it was full of you know quite quite personal i would say quite personal interactions from this blog author who of course i had never met saying you know like giving me nicknames uh, i believe brambox was among them Brambles, yep. Bramble Stiltskin, th- things of this nature. Um, <laughs> it also um, included a line, um, so yeah, Brambles, he lets me call him that if I stroke his hair. <laughs> I did can not... I just say, th- th- this, uh, <laughs> this review still exists, actually. You can go, you can visit it at uh, Mark's got, Mark's got Um it's, it's still there, I think. How like many magic mushrooms so. had you taken before <laughs> writing that review, Mark? Uh, just, uh, just about a quarter of one. Oh, okay. well, that's not too bad. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, my friends were very excited when I sent them this review. It became one of their favourite things on the internet. Um, they insisted that I get in touch with, you know, the genius. Dare <laughs> I say genius? The genius who could have written such things. And that well, man was Mark Brewer. Is that? Is say, that, that yeah, there have been a lot of uh, adjectives and superlatives that I've heard he used to describe me in the past, but genius has never been one of them. <laughs> no, normally it's wanker. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> shit! Sorry, that was what I was going for. I just I get them confused <laughs> quite often. I always shit. get those two confused as well. Genius, genius wanker. wanker. <laughs> oh dear me. So, so what was our, our next? What was the next interaction after you after you'd uh, got the kind of nod from your friends to try and get in touch? Ah, uh, so obviously, obviously, I remember what it was. But if you could just tell everyone what it was, just you know, to like mix things up. Well, I'm next? just trying to I'm just, I'm just trying to wean out what happened between your friends <laughs> suggesting to you that you should uh, you should get in touch and you actually doing it. Did you kind of like ah? Uh. Put, it, oh, put uh, it in a drawer for a few months and then <laughs> <laughs> put it on the maybe pile. I don't remember quite how it happened. I remember I couldn't find an email address for you online. And I like left you a comment on your blog, hoping against hope that you would find it and contact me. Um, gosh, this was a while ago, wasn't it? I don't, I don't remember what happened. It must be about three years ago in total now. Goodness me! We, we were in correspondence before we became like fully fledged Facebook friends, and it became real. <laughs> before it became Facebook official. <laughs> Facebook official. Yeah, we took our time. We took our time. We didn't want to rush anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, take it slow. Um, which is which is funny because we went straight to hair stroking really quickly, but but from there, you know, it was like we didn't want to rush. I do this in in any friendships. I regress. I start at like the absolute most. The, like the peak of uh, social awkwardness and then I just regress <laughs> from that point it's all downhill from here I remember the first time I met you Mark <laughs> oh get that oh, I'm, I'm I know the exact room we are in yeah. <laughs> want to share that story with Uri just so he can yeah. you'll get a bigger picture of how like initial meetings with me start in life well I, I, it was it was in the first week of uh, of uni mm. in an English literature uh, uh, lecture and I sat next to you and um, I was really fucking hungover, <laughs> which seems here. to be a running theme in my life, doesn't it? Um, 
And yeah, I sat, and I, I sat down. I was just like, oh, I can't even be bothered with this right now. And then there was Mark sort of like totally awake with a pen to sort of like asking <laughs> these like rip roaring questions to the lecturer who like lecturer was just sort of like, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that good. Eddie, Eddie. How did you become friends then? Because I feel like everyone hates that kid, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone hates that kid, especially me. But I sat next to him uh, every week because, well, for one, it's sort of like everyone has like... It's really weird. In lectures, especially these smaller ones where you'll sit around in the, in the lecturer's office, you have your own chair. And it's not, it's not rightly said that that's your chair. But it's like, you sit in that chair. And if anyone else, if you come in and someone's sitting in your chair, you're like, oh, bitch man, is in yeah. my chair. Can't yeah, do that, I'd never right? so I that. just, I just, I basically, what I'm trying to say is, I didn't choose my friendship with Mark. I was lumped with him. <laughs> he was I lumped you. with him. I had to deal with him, and he's he's a bit like athlete's foot. He, you know, he grows on you unless you get the and, appro- unless you get the appropriate cream. I don't go away. Get, yeah, and and I just can't get a prescription for it. Oh. So I'm stuck with it for now. <laughs> Like a malignant tumour. You don't know, Eddie, but what I, what I was actually doing is just aiming my phone over your shoulder and copying what was on your notepad. And just <laughs> well, well, yeah. yeah, what was on my notepad? Me just going, oh, good God, my brain. That's what I was saying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I was, I was like putting a different inflection on it. Oh, good God, my brain. <laughs> oh, good God. So, Uri. <laughs> Uri's still with us, I think. Right? Mark, yeah, right? yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, as I remember it, the next step was that you were, you were going to wire me a copy of one of your, your books, Advanced, so that I could do like a pre-review oh, or a preview. yeah, yeah. And... In my in my regular kind of fashion, I I took forever to get around to doing it, um, and I think I'd probably probably given up on it until one day I realised that I actually still had that on my backlog of things to do, and um, this was this was probably a couple of months ago actually. It was probably in February of this year, and I decided to then uh, preview your unreleased book, Write Harder. Um, yes. But I hadn't, which I hadn't actually read at the time. Uh, but I did it for the Huffington Post, so a bit of a wider reach than my blog. So don't criticize me too hard. Right, so you reviewed it his was... book without actually having read it. I didn't review it. I qualified it as a pre-review review. So it was a review of the review that I was going to give after the book was released, after which I haven't done. Read it, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was revolutionary, like a whole new form. The pre-review review, did amazing. <laughs> Uh, did I read it? No, but I did write a pre-review, review, review, review. Did you? You wrote no. the book, so I guess, does that no. count as the pre... <laughs> also, Mark, I like how you're like, oh, did you read my review? You didn't even read his damn book. <laughs> I mean, you can't yeah, really talk I, right now. <laughs> I can <could> talk. <laughs> Listen. I was going to say, of course I read it. I shared it on social media, but now I realise... Those two statements have no relation to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eddie, have you read Write Harder? Because I know you're, you're an avid writer yourself. And, you uh, know what? I have not. You've not read it. In fact, I have... I've, I've, as much as I've looked at your <laughs> website and your stuff does seem very interesting, I've not actually partaken in any of your <laughs> extended works of literature. Well, this is why uh, I thought how... it'd be interesting to introduce you to Uri, because, you know... I, I can introduce you and thereby the public, you know, getting to know, getting to know Uri better, getting to know his work better, getting to know you better, getting to know me better by association with Uri. You know, it's a big triad of, of, of goodness here. 
that's going on. So and we're very... it's a little bit like one of those kids' TV shows where there's the, you know, like the the plant, the person who doesn't know anything about the topic, to just ask innocent questions. We're definitely we putting that on our blurb. That's the best review we've ever got. It's a little bit like a kids' TV show, Uri Brown. <laughs> Are you saying that I'm like the like the one that's like, oh, so what's a triangle? Is that me? Is that is that my job in this podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Eddie, because in fact that is your job. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> you no. Uh, uh, no, however, I, I have not uh, partaken in any of your um, extended works of literature. <laughs> however, I have been um, interested in a few of your uh, overviews of your books, and I think they're definitely <laughs> something that I would like to partake in. However, I think you should maybe give me a run-through of some of your work. Well, don't mind if I do. I was wondering if I could give you that rundown in verse. Plug alert! Yeah, plug yourself. <laughs> plug alert! Plug alert with Ori Brown. Hang on. <laughs> it's a plug alert! <laughs> okay, so I'm going... <laughs> I'm going to plug each of my books, but in that movie announcer voice. Is that right? Okay, so my first book... The trailer voiceover. The trailer voice, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to give you little trailers. All right, my first book was called Thinking Statistically. She was a statistic. He didn't understand statistics. But one thing brought them closer together. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. Imagine, you know, like storm clouds roiling and, you know, like trains and action figures. I like and then this. Imagine, imagine, yeah. imagine statistical concepts coming to life because, you know, every good movie trailer has, you know, like everyday life situations. Maybe you don't understand. Maybe they're related to flirting. Maybe they're related to business. Maybe they're just related to, you know, like being happy and understanding the world as a human being. But yeah. statistical mm. concepts can give you a clearer picture. Sudden cut scene, zoom out, flash, bang. <laughs> Wallop, coming, <laughs> not even, not even coming soon to theatres, coming soon to theatres near you. It's already at theatres near you. How great is that? This is a trailer for a book that already exists. So, that so, so that brings me around to one, one question, <laughs> which is, <laughs> one question. <laughs> it's that you, question. You, you, it's that question. You mentioned that, um, that, that, that learning statistics has a wide range of practical applications. It might be dating. Sure. It might be, I don't know, working out the probability uh, of it going to rain based on prior factors or something like that. Is there one particular statistical principle that you would say could apply to all of those? Or do you have to learn a lot of different statistical principles uh, well, to, to kind of be that, become that competent? I'm glad you asked me that, Mark. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> funny that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so I think there's like three or four big concepts that cover like a lot of like a lot of the key themes in statistics. And one of my like pet gripes is basically that statistics classes tend to teach you, um, let's say, statistical techniques. So they teach you like, oh, like this is a t-test, or like if you have 35 pieces of data and they like match up like this, like this is the test you need to run. And like honestly, no one remembers any of those things. I was going to say a year after the course ends, but probably like five minutes after the weeks. exam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's some big ideas. That I think it's just really useful in a lot of situations. So one of those is selection bias, which is just this idea that um, often the data or just let's say like the information that reaches us about the world is biased in some way. And if we learn to understand that like the information that reaches us 
uh, was biased, um, that it's not representative of all the data as a whole, then the world makes a lot more sense to us. I mean, like, so this is often like around like all kinds of political and social stuff, you know, like people will be like, oh, like, how did the evil giants from outer space party get into power? None of my friends <laughs> voted for them. Everyone I know was voting for the other party. But obviously, it's a big country. There's lots, lots of people you don't know. Like, even if you somehow intellectually realize that your friend group is not representative of the world as a whole, like, your friend group is probably so much less representative of the world as a whole than, you know, has ever crossed your mind. Um, and, like, if you can try and internalize that idea, like, a lot of things make a lot more sense. You know, like, similarly in, in dating, um, you know, like, maybe I have terrible hair and maybe I'm like, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter if you have terrible hair. Do you know what a better example is? Maybe, and hypothetically, because it's on a podcast, so I guess you guys can't check this. Are you there? Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. You just had oh, such bated breath. Amazing. Okay, well, I am not particularly fit. I shouldn't admit that because, you know, like on the on the internet, no one knows you're a dog, but um, I am not very fit. I do. Maybe I'm like, oh, like getting muscles, like it wouldn't be worth it because like, you know, all the girls I've dated have dated me anyway, even though I didn't have any muscles. Aha. Uh -huh. But you see what the problem here is? Maybe, maybe... There's thousands of women who would have loved to date me if I had been a bit fitter. But because I'm yeah. not, like, they just didn't ever get round to that. And so my sample of, like, feedback is, like, incredibly biased. And if I realize that, uh, then I can start, you know, like, getting more useful information from the population as a whole. Bam. Statistics and dating. At least now I know what's like... been going wrong all these years. If only I'd widen my sample. <laughs> <laughs> That is the thing. That, so what? So what, the thing I've learned is try it on with as many women as possible. <laughs> and, and muscles. Got to get on that HGH. I would like to not be quoted on that. No, I mean, okay, another, <laughs> another example. Is, so I keep getting these. Harry Bram, emails. try it on as hard as oh, you can. no, stop Disclaim <laughs> Disclaimer, Harry oh. Bram does not endorse HGH <laughs> or any kind of testosterone or hormone growth uh, supplement. And he Sorry. also <laughs> doesn't endorse <laughs> just just getting on it like a car bonnet. <laughs> uh, so to take an example from the business world, to take an example from the business world, if if I may, I keep signing, you know, like signing up for online services, whatever, you know, like a new word processor or I don't know, some fancy app or whatever. And they keep sending me these emails um, which pretend to be from the CEO, but you're like, it's clearly not from the CEO. Don't send me God, an email that ends like, oh... You know, like, write to me anytime. I'll always be glad to hear from you. Brett. I've written to those guys. Uh, uh, yeah, Brett. Fuck Brett. Fuck, fuck, fuck Brett. Brett. It's not from Brett. Don't pretend it is. Okay, so what I think is happening here is that they've done some kind of conversion test. Some percentage of their users are more likely to convert as a result of this. It's possible that I wouldn't have converted anyway. And so, like, you know, like, maybe, maybe I don't really matter to them. Maybe they know that they're, like, annoying some segment of their user base. Um, but basically, the data about... Uh, users who are really annoyed about this technique normally don't get back to them like most people don't email back and say like hey can you stop doing this even if they're annoyed but the users who for whatever reason are like convinced by this pitch and like find it appealing um, might sign up for the service um, and so the company is like hey we found a good new technique that's going to improve um, our uptake um, but they might be hurting themselves in the long run if they're annoying a lot more people who might have eventually signed up things like this mm. um, selection bias all of these Disparate? Disparate? How do you say that disparate. word that means disparate. disparate? Disparate. Oh, man. This is an educational podcast. Uh, all these disparate <laughs> things. Words of fucking wisdom right here on the Vaults of Whimsy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I started for the whimsy, but I stayed for the wisdom. Can you make that your tag? <laughs> oh, I like, I like that. that. I like staying. that. Anyway, anyway, so that is thinking statistically. Uh, available 
at all good bookstores. I don't, so maybe, I don't know. Also, just, just very quickly on the, on the terms of thinking statistically, I see that it's actually on Audible. It is on Audible. It is. Yeah, yeah. You can listen to Lovely. it. I... I don't know whether we incorrectly advertised last time. We plugged it as being, um, as being narrated by you. Uh, that may be false. It may be true. No. Well, uh, as it turns out, it is true. Yeah, it's true. true. See? Yes. Oh, uh... I can have you in my ears. So this voice yeah, you're hearing would. right now. <laughs> so, so that voice. That voice is going to be. It's not going to be laughing when it's, uh, when it's narrating thinking statistically. It's going to be feeding you some of that juicy, juicy statistical theory. It's going to get you laid, paid, and whatever the third one is. Yeah, better grades. I'm cutting Just that on, on, on a really, a really random side tangent, it'll yeah, only take like two it. minutes. So Audible, for example, when you have an Audible subscription, you get those um, free tokens, credits to get a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 now, if you had something on Audible and someone used a free token, do you get paid for that? Oh, uh, yes, I think so. I believe so, Okay. Yes. Don't feel bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, because yeah. I've got loads of tokens and I'm using them. <laughs> Where do you get tokens from? I don't know. I don't know I much just, about these tokens. You get yeah. If you have an Audible subscription, you get one every month. Oh wow! Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, it's not too. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. So you get one free. You get one free book a month. Although when you say free, it's included in the <laughs> subscription. subscription that so you it's paid like for. eight quid. You know, so. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry, the author's yeah. getting paid. Yeah, good. That's why I like <laughs> to support the content creators. Ah, <laughs> uh, don't you guys hate being called the content create con- 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 creator? I don't know. It just well, looks weird about it. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's also, also like no one ever calls us that because me and Mark are sort of the paragons of creating non-content. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's literally the stuff we churn what? out. What are you talking about? I don't about? think you could call it content. We're paradigmatic this, this, examples uh, of the non-story. Can, can you do that like plug plug noise? How it goes. So I just like to plug this great podcast called The Vaults of Whimsy. Um, it's excellent. It's outstanding, outstanding banter, outstanding information. You learn and you laugh at the same time. Maybe not literally at the same time, but, you know, like, sufficiently interlaced with each other that it feels simultaneously when you zoom out and look at it from a larger perspective. A little bit like a child's TV show. Could you put that on our iTunes page? Could you put that exact, exact phrase? Not maybe at the same time, but I want that on our iTunes page. That should be, like, our banner. It'd be amazing. Oh. I guess <laughs> you should, because otherwise, like this plug is not much use if it only goes out to people who are already listening to the podcast. Selection. Yeah, by. I was going to say this plug isn't much use on the actual <laughs> podcast itself. It is selection by. Oh, dear, oh dear. no! I fell for. Ah, oh. see. So, see. so yeah. just, just, just pulling the uh, pulling the tail up on this uh, spiraling <laughs> pla- uh, nose diving <laughs> plane. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to fill us in on one of your other literary works of of genius? Dare I say? Poor, um, What you got uh, in the old back catalogue? <laughs> um, so I'm currently working on a book about writing. Um, it's kind of like a higher level conceptual book about writing. It's called Write Harder. Um, oh, that one. That's the one yeah. I re- uh, pre pre review reviewed. It's been. It, it has been famously pre-reviewed. Check it out, Mark Huffington Post. Post. Check it out. Um, it. So yeah, I basically get frustrated because there's a lot of um, a lot of books with writing tips are just basically like grammar tips, and they're like, okay, sure, mm. you know, 
I, I mean, there's a lot of arguments about like, oh, like, is it actually okay to split the infinitive? Is that just like a weird holdover <laughs> from Latin? Whatever. Even if you know you follow these rules, you're not going to be a good writer. You're just maybe going to fix some you know mistakes you made. Um, and then on the other mm. hand, you have a lot of books which give you writing advice like, um, be clear, like clarity is great, or like. <laughs> Say exactly as much as you need and no more. And I'm like, what? That is how do I do that? <laughs> That's uh... Uh, so I wanted to write a book about writing that tried to hit um, kind of a middle ground of like conceptual ideas about writing, just different ways to frame writing, um, ideas about you know like you know coming up with an analogies, let's say, or how to draw diagrams. Like just trying to give some like mental categories, mental boxes, um, and some just high level thoughts about how those things work, which hopefully. Hmm helpful for people writing popular nonfiction, uh, whether that's essays, books, articles. Um, yeah, write harder. So, so do you have any uh, specific examples of kind of, uh, of techniques um, that have been sh- uh, proven or shown to be effective in, in, in communicating via the written word? Ooh, so when you say proof, the answer is no. I don't, I've never like run empirical tests on any of this stuff. But one thing that... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's quite so. A lot of um, popular nonfiction books will use this device of having um, like these little hypothetical anecdotes. Um, so they'll often have an anecdote like, uh, "Imagine there's two people who are running a podcast, and then they blah blah blah, and then they blah blah blah, and then you know they they illustrate some idea that the book is trying to explain." Um, mm-hmm. So my claim is that people don't pay nearly enough um, attention t- often to the pronouns they use in this. That you can. You can present that same story by saying, like, imagine you run a podcast, um, blah, 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 blah. And then this thing happens and this thing happens. Or you can do it as like a third person, like, oh, you know, like these two guys, Mark and Eddie, run a podcast um, mm-hmm. and the rest things happen. Um, so essentially my idea there is that um, if you control the pronouns better, you can basically like get the reader to side with you on different things. Like if you um, if you use a third party, it's much easier to make them like the 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 fool like have them do silly things which then um if you then switch halfway through to using like um second person you can go like oh like these two silly people did this silly thing but we know that actually you should this other thing um and without actually like the reader having previously actually agreed to the claim that you now make um they've kind of de facto you know you've like brought them in psychologically to what you're trying to prove See, to me, that sounds completely plausible. It sounds like it runs alongside uh, things like memory mnemonic techniques. Um, mm. And I think there has been quite a bit of empirical work to show that they actually do improve uh, memory retention in, in a lot of cases. I can't think of any particular studies offhand that I can cite, but we'll put some links in our, in our blog post. What would you think? Do, do, you think maybe, do you think maybe there's an analog there between mnemonic techniques and the kind of thing you had in mind with pronouns, like shifting the pronoun? Can you leading talk, people, kind of inducing. Min- what kind of mnemonic techniques do you have in mind? So I'm thinking of things like the uh, like the loci system or something like that, or mm-hmm. memory palaces, um, where you kind of you train yourself to kind of guide yourself through um, like a, a kind of day to day scenario that's familiar to you, and you assign think bits of information that you have to remember to particular events that happen along your journey. Right, um, right, right. So in a sense, it sounds like with with kind of like uh, manipulating the pronoun, you're kind of guiding somebody along and getting them to construct it mm. in a, in a way that you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? That makes a lot of sense to me. Cool. Woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was that was easy, wasn't it? Well, yeah. Uh, so th- th- I guess and this then... kind of leads me to another question. 
Mm. Which is it's kind of three pronged, and three pronged. Uh, like throughout this discussion, it's become kind of apparent that you seem to have quite a wide range of expertise, whether it be through writing or whether it's uh, statistics. Um, do you feel that uh, education or life experiences are more important in shaping kind of deep interests in particular <laughs> areas, or Ooh. are they even mutually exclusive? And also, where do you feel that a solid grounding in writing has 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 helped you? Uh, in either understanding those ideas or communicating them, that's a lot of a question. That's that. That, I've, is, I've, that is a that lot is of a question. Decent. That is a jam-packed box of questions. Which, when you open it, has more questions inside other questions. I've done a Pandora's box, haven't I? Box of, of yeah. questions. Okay, so yeah. uh, it's a really good question. Um, the first thing I want to say is just that, like, a lot of my books. Um, so, so there's there's this thing where often experts in some field are so far ahead of, you know, the common person at that field that they forget what, you know, what the basics are. And I think a lot of times um, experts, you know, like let's say professors, um, think that the problems their students are having are much higher level. Like that actually the problem is like some really basic thing that is so basic that the professor at this point thinks everyone knows it. But actually, you know, like most of us don't know it. There's no reason why we would have, why we would know. Um, so what a lot of my books do is just try and take like the simplest you know, like easiest, most fundamental, let's say like 5% of ideas in some big field. Um, you know, the kind of ideas where like all the, all the experts in that field would say, yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, of course that's true, but isn't that obvious? Like everyone knows that. Um, and then just try and explain them like clearly and, you know, straightforwardly and like with good humor from the perspective of someone who isn't an expert at that field at all. So um, it's less that I have expertise, I think, than that I'm, you know, willing to sit down and like grapple with some idea that I don't even understand and just try and spend a lot of time trying to understand the basics really well so that I can try and communicate them. That's a good answer. It kind of it kind of encompasses all the prongs in one neatly rounded. <laughs> you did you did swoop in on that very very concisely. That was really good. I can tell the I can tell these books you've been writing, you've been reading them yourself. <laughs> There's nothing re- weirder than reading your own books, right? I guess like listening to your own podcast must feel I don't listen to this crap. What are you talking yeah, about? No, after this goes out, it's done. <laughs> Shut the door on that. Um, uh, how, how about you guys? Where do you stand on the education experience? The education versus experience question. After you, Edward. Uh, well, I mean, I would... It's, it's an interesting one because I must say that obviously a lot of what I know, I would have to you know, thank an education for going to university and that sort of stuff. However, I think that education and life experience, aren't they basically one in the same thing? Because you can be given an, an, an education, but it's how you react and how you work with that education that you are given that can put you, you know, that gets you to learn things, have expertise in things. Because it doesn't have to be necessarily a formal education in anything. Education can come from reading a book or listening to a podcast and god forbid not this one but um you know so it's it's i think it's probably the life experiences obviously got always going to be the one thing that will shape you as a person more but um with the education it's how you deal with it and how you take it on board i do have a question for you yes, Uri. For, and yes, it, is, it is it is you know to do with the education thing and also kind of links into your right harder and you talking about going from the basics and, and working through the basics that you think everyone would know, but don't. And um, it's funny because I went to university as a d- degree in English literature and um, halfway through uni, 
I realised that I had no idea about any of the basics of grammar. Well, as in, uh-huh. I knew what a com- I knew how to use commas and that sort of thing. But however, if you tried to get me to talk about clauses and, like you're saying, like split infinitives and, you know, that that more about linguistics and how sentences are structured, I could not tell you a single bit of it. I actually had to learn what a clause was at the age of 19 uh-huh. because the mandatory education didn't never taught either never taught me that or i don't remember being taught that so my i would like to say that my writing style isn't bad and it's you know i i would say i'm I'm quite proud of my writing style and i write well and i understand what i'm doing even if he does say so himself even if i do <laughs> blow my own trumpet and i have a kazoo <laughs> um i would you know um i have no idea about those sort of basic fundamental things in sort of linguistics and how the language itself is formed. And, um, it's just, I mean, has anyone else found that or is that something that like your mandatory education, was it sufficient in that regard? I think, well, I think, I think what Eddie is trying to ask you here is, will your book write harder teach Eddie what a clause is? Yeah. Can oh. you teach me, please? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that's the question. Uh, no, there's, there's, I'm sure there's, you know, uh, it's just not that book, you know. Um, I think it's not that kind of book, man. It's not, it's not that kind of book, man. Um, He's not that. You're not that guy. I'm not that guy. No, I mean, I really am not. I I don't know if I have a better formal grasp of grammar than you know you or anyone else. I, I've I've never like particularly studied it. I mean, okay, there's, there's basically two things that I'm really interested in. I, I think these are like themes across themes across my work. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. The please... running the running conceit can, of your work. Can we cut that out? Can we please? You're fine. You're fine. It's fine. It's fine. Two things I'm really interested in, uh, in general, I think, in mm. a lot of my writing. Um, one is um, concepts and conceptual thinking. I think that often when you meet someone who's very good at something, they have some mental arsenal of concepts that they apply to that topic. Um, and again, as I mentioned, like this is definitely true in statistics classes that often those concepts don't get taught directly. You kind of just are expected to, you know, acquire them acquire the concept slowly over time by accretion or whatever, just by like being in that setting. Whereas mm. I think it's like really useful to just hit people with the concept early on be like, Hey, here's a few big ideas. You know, like if you study for eight years, maybe you'll understand like why these big ideas are the way they are or, you know, like other things, <laughs> but you can start off and understand. I think the ideas are often easier to grasp than the details. Um, and then the other right, big one. Okay, sure. Mm, yeah. So in in Write Harder, I'm just trying to like come up with some useful concepts relating to writing, um, but I don't have any grasp of grammar or you know like vocabulary or it's it's definitely not you know definitely not one of those. Yeah, books. so it's more of the the uh, uh, the 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 idea like the the gist of writing rather mm. than the the uh, fine tuned details of it. Exactly. It's kind exactly. of like you know, it's more Orwell saying, like, than Norton. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, so I mean, as Mark mentioned in his pre-review review of a book he hadn't read, I believe he <laughs> did make that. I believe he did make that Orwell comparison, which was <laughs> the non-comparison. The non-comparison, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Would you would you agree so, Would you agree with that comparison? I mean, the book actually is it's not out yet, so we poor, we don't know. But poor, poor. Um, I'm still in the clear on way, that. By the way, book is available for pre-order on a site called Lean Pub. It's one of those like, oh my gosh, so trendy, I live in Shoreditch kind of websites. Um, <laughs> basically, you can buy the book Fantastic. while it's still in progress. Um, there's 
um, I want to say about six chapters that are already done and are on, on the site now. And if you buy the book now, you get those chapters right away. As the book gets written, you'll get new chapter updates. Um, and, you know, like the kicker is that every time a new chapter gets released, the book gets ever so slightly more expensive. So the earlier <laughs> you buy, the cheaper you get it. Uh, As I said, okay. hipster or hipster? Hipster. Excellent. Totally but by hipster. the way, I just want to point out that our only fan was a, uh, a download on our RSS feed from a basement in Shoreditch. And it was just a... Uh, <laughs> It was a sock puppet that we painted a face on and attached googly eyes to him, just sitting down there eating cheese its all day. And he's now, he's, he's, he's lost, he's gone. He's gone, man. You've oh, ruined our fan base. No. Oh, um, I'm just, sorry. We've just Cheese flatlined on the... Uh... Oh, God. Should, we, should we just quit, guys? Like, is there any point now? <laughs> There's always a point. No, no I, you know what, guys? I'm off. Like, <laughs> You've lost me my co-host, Bram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. I actually went I'm just now on your Shoreditchy Lean Pub um website and I can see that the book is thirty two percent complete. Ah I don't think that's true. That that seems Well that's what well, it that's what it's saying to me and maybe it's lying. Oh no. I'll I'll go check that out, thanks. Oh man, now we're troubleshooting <laughs> my book website in real time. No, I mean so it's like quite a philosophical question, right? So like let's say that cha- the book is eventually gonna be ten chapters long. Um mm-hmm. if you're at mm. five chapters does that mean it's 50% done or like, you know, like, is there something does, you know, does, does being complete in itself, I had like quite a lot of percentageness of done. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Am I making sense? All right, I must say your next book has to be called the percentages of done. That, <laughs> that has sounds to be, like one of those business self-help books. <laughs> it does or it sounds done. like um a douglas adams novel you never know it could be either or so i guess i guess the problem we're presented with iri uh is once you've as a as a, as a, a kind of a writer for hire once mm. you've hit your word count is 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 the book then complete and at what point does it become complete wait are you a writer is for a bo- hire is or a book am ever I a writer complete? for hire you're you're the writer for hire here say say okay, you've got a project we, can on can we the... do some like spaghetti western music because i love the idea of a writer for hire I walk, in, I walk into the saloon. I pull a pen out of my cowboy boot. Corey <laughs> Brown, rider for hire. I heard you needed some words in this town. <laughs> oh, man. He's one verb too short of his last day. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like, is a book ever done? And if so, when is it done? Never. This, it's that's, never that's done. Question you with just... en- any form of artistic piece is it ever done? You just learn to let it go. I think there's there's some poet. I think Don Don Patterson maybe has this quote about how your work is never actually done. You just eventually learn to let it go, and that's that's as far as you know as far as you can get. You'll never like be happy with a poem. Uh, you just have to learn to release it. Um, oh. Ooh. Ooh. Um, give me a second to remember something so that sure. I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. With could, the magic could, of editing. I guess could there, could there be a law of diminishing returns at play, though, such that you know you're, the amount of effort you're putting in doesn't really return much in terms of uh, writing quality? Yeah, I assume it's possible to also ruin something that was already good by overthinking and overworking it. Mm. Um, I had I had this other poetry professor who I really loved called James Richardson. Uh, he's like this shout out famous American aphorist. He's like the only person I know who like sits down and writes aphorisms. He has like books of aphorisms <laughs> for the future. Um, and one of his aphorisms is um, something like the 
gods hate hoarders and grant creativity only to those who trust them to grant more later. Something along those lines. Um, anyway, um, that's something I think about a lot. It's just like trying to like write stuff and release it and let it go so that the gods won't be angry at me. Because I think that idea of like the gods will get pissed if you just sit on your work forever because you never think it's done. Um, and then they won't. It's a bit better than my mum. Oh, too many cooks spoil the broth. <laughs> just. just... <laughs> Oh my gosh, Mrs. Brewer in the studio. Hello. Miss- this is. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> How are you? I've channeled How are her. You? Oh. She, oh. she doesn't talk like that. She's a wonderful woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh. So, I think what we're going to have to do is go to a segue alert. Segue alert. Segue alert. It's with a massive regret that I have to inform the two of you um, that the great. Christopher Lee has unfortunately passed away. Oh yeah, oh, I no. saw that. I was very, very saddened. At the grand old age of ninety-three, though. Grand old age of ninety-three. Um. Mm. So, for those of you who uh, don't know who Christopher Lee was, he was obviously famously uh, in the Hammer horror films. Uh, he was in one of my favourite films of all time, which is the original version of The Wicker Man, not that piece of shit with Nicolas Cage in it. Um, the bees, not the bees. <laughs> the bees. <laughs> uh, obviously, more recently, he was Saruman and Saruman. Uh, Count Dooku in Star Wars: The New, uh, Dooku, yeah. the prequel trilogy. Uh, he was famous for being Dracula. Yeah, obviously in the Hammer horror film. And he was also famous for releasing metal albums. And Willy Wonka's father. <laughs> what? He was. Really? A, yeah, yeah. He was in the Tim Burton Willy Wonka film. He was. Uh, the yeah. fa- he was the dentist father of uh, Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Tim Burton's Willy Wonka. Chocolate Factory was terrible, though. Sorry. So I wondered I wondered there. if we could maybe go round the circle here, because we are actually sat round in a circle roasting marshmallows at the moment. Um, <laughs> and I thought we could maybe share a little memory of Christopher Lee, just to, you know, commemorate his, his passing. And uh... mm. Christopher Lee was, was actually amazing. I mean, he was releasing metal albums. Uh, I mean, if you've never listened to Christopher Lee's metal music, it's... Him speaking in his sort of uh, typical grandiose voice, in like reciting sort of old style poetry just over heavy metal, like eighties metal <laughs> music. It's actually fantastic. It's it's brilliant. Um, I imagine. I imagine really when was... they were recording it, he was actually sat there tracking it in spandex. That's the only way. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> just like, we are. Have, we're gonna have to get a laughter track on this because like I'm just deadpanning everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah just 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 uh, oh, sound, it'll be great um i'm just gonna edit that yeah. that noise you made <laughs> oh. um yeah and he released a, an album literally like last year so he released the metal music when he was 92 how cool Amazing. is that man? love it yeah <laughs> and obviously i mean um so i mean like what were you guys favorite christopher lee roles Oh, there's so, so many to choose from. It's, you know, I feel like it's almost wrong to pick a favourite when you guys, when oh. you guys say, I think he, everything, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know if I've ever watched a Christopher Lee movie. This That's is, okay. this is, this is, I just want to be honest. He seems like a great guy. Everything I've heard about him, very positive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, like his, I mean, his more recent stuff. Is obviously the obviously right now. It's more like people see that like Saruman. He was famous for playing Saruman, and he was fantastic in the um, Lord of the Rings films as Saruman. I think that was a very good interpretation of the character. It was very good. Yeah, yeah. And obviously him alongside um, uh, Ian McKellen, like those two together, just amazing. 
So um, that was a good one. I mean, I, I'm Count Dooku. We can let, shall we discredit that one? Because <laughs> Star Wars, not a good thing. <laughs> but um, his well, the new Star Wars anyway. Um, I think Dracula was generally one of my favorites. That is such. A, I agree. The Hammer Horror is just it? sensational. It was so good. So. As I've mentioned, I think my favourite Christopher Lee moment is probably his role as Lord Somerville in the original, uh, in the original um, Wicker Man. And mm. that moment when you realise actually he's been orchestrating the entire, the, the kind of weird events that are happening on the island. And that moment when you, you actually see that wide shot of the Wicker Man burning. I think that instilled mm. more fear in me as an adolescent than any, uh, any <laughs> of my mother's cooking. <laughs> that's a joke she's a wonderful yeah. cook <laughs> she's a wonderful she's, she's behind you isn't she why am I trashing my mum in this episode I don't know, I don't I don't know. know. His, <laughs> and the thing is it's only you <laughs> normally I'm the one who trashes everyone um, there's, before we do that there's one yeah, more yeah. thing I would like to bring up with uh, my uh, our dear friend Uri which is the other book you have the hit me with the music oh shit son oh, yeah yeah which um, I, I read it I just read the um Blurb. The little uh, on your website, the about section of it, um, because I am also a budding musician. I do like my music. Get out! And um, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, I play the guitar every the now guitar. and then. Uh, so I was just so so. Uh, it, run me, run me through what this book is. I, it, are you taking the theory of music and explaining it as a? So Hit Me With Music is this book about the key ideas behind music. So similar to um, thinking statistically, like the key concepts of statistics, Hit Me With Music, that's the idea that it follows. And so music is famously intimately related with maths, like music is very pattern based. Um, Yeah. You know, if you play the guitar um, and you tune your guitar, you'll know that, you know, like the fifth fret of one string is often the same note as the next string down. Until Um, you get to B. It's not an Until accident. Until you get to be that bastard. Oh, it's, it's always, yeah, there's always one, isn't there? But I there is always as one. As a bass player, I've only got the four strings. I don't have me. What? <laughs> Go what? suck it. Oh, no. That's, get a five oh, string. Oh, now man. I just feel. Mm, maybe yeah, we I could. should get a five string, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah. We want to hear it. Wanna hear it. Anyway, just... the point is, all of these things are, are like intimately related to you know, like mathematical patterns. And the reason they're related to mathematical patterns is that you know, every note is a sound wave. And so um, it's just like a kind of inherent mathematical relationship between different sound waves. Now, I've just said maths a bunch of times, which is probably the worst way to encourage people to read this book. The book is lovely. <laughs> it has no maths in it. It's full of pictures and diagrams and colors and it's everyday analogies. Um, so, yeah, we really just wanted to bring um, uh, me and my friend Anu, who's my co-author on that book. Um, she's an incredible musician, like a wonderful singer, multi-instrumental musical genius um she she was saying how um there's a lot of music theory that you only learn if you go to you know like a high level music academy whereas there's a lot of Mm. a lot of us have been learning some instrument guitar piano flute piccolo kazoo for you know like seven or eight years we just like kind of learn it by rote but we don't really understand the ideas behind the music so um that book which excitingly is coming out in paperback very soon till now it's been a purely digital animal, like a Pokemon, oh, okay. let us say, or some other digital animal. A Digimon might have been a better analogy to make <laughs> a that. A Digimon, yes. Like a Digimon. Now, digital monsters. 
da, 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 da. I don't. I don't remember. How did that go? Let me sound legally on singing the theme tune. <laughs> oh yeah, we should uh, if, we, if we do thirty se- if we do less than ten seconds, we'll be fine. Can we do less than ten seconds of any song? I believe so. See, I'm not very good on on music law. I don't, I'm not. Uh, also, I mean, as long as we sing it and it's totally out of tune, <laughs> if we sing it in the wrong key, they can't claim that it's their song. So if we were to sing, uh, Eddie, yeah, should we like do? That. Should we do our little that little song we prepared earlier? Do you want to just Definitely. like yeah, we bring should. out the bass? Yeah, if you just bring out the bass, we can. Uh... Okay, I'll get my bass out. Hang I'll on. get the beat going. Or should I get the ukulele? Which one would you oh, rather? Oh, what? You have a uke? Of course oh, I want the uke. I'll get mine. Wait there. Sorry, I had to take my headphones out to um to go yeah, grab no it. Now, it might that. be horribly out of tune. Oh, my ukulele is out of tune. Summer days and I'm drinking Pim's Eye. Like to listen to the vaults of whimsy eye. Can't hear myself quite singing. Cause in my ear, my ears are ringing with whimsy. Mmm, with whimsy. <laughs> Eddie Bowes and Uri Brown, everybody. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> with whimsy. Right, that you're right. What we're gonna do is we're gonna edit that bit, right? <laughs> that's gonna be the start. And that's that's gonna be our outro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so anyway, sorry. You were, so I don't yes. know why we started going on because with that. we wanted Get to like do an d- international duet. We wanted to do a Tel Aviv vocal, and we wanted to do a London. <laughs> that, yeah, that was that was good, man. That was that was an intercontinental jam. We just that was, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. So it's coming out in um, as a paperback. Yeah, it's coming out in a paperback in um, the autumn. So a couple months from now. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great book, I think, for anyone who yeah has played a lot of music but has never really you know gotten any ideas about the theory. And the idea is just that like once you understand the theory a little bit, we never say the words music theory. Goodness me, I'm not selling this well. Um, we we <laughs> don't talk about the patterns you know behind music. Um, mm. It's easier to improvise. It's easier to you know like have little jam sessions. It's easier to do all these things if you understand some of the concept, you know, like why certain notes go together in chords, like what is a scale after yeah. all, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. Ah, oh, it sounds really interesting. I think that's the one thing about music that I've always found to be the most fascinating is the fact that music is pretty much up, you know, up there as one of the most creative, subjective things mm. to do, like as well with art and fiction. However, it is based entirely in in physics and maths and is entirely rigid in how it's structured. Right. Right. You know? right. And I find that, I find that very interesting that it, like you said, it's just, it, there are set patterns and set ways in which music is formed. And yet we take those set patterns and make something in totally subjective with it. What the fuck you Do been you... smoking, man? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that... I've been smoking some, me some Bram. <laughs> I'm putting that as a blurb uh, on my next book. I've been smoking some brown. Oh. Um, do you think that visual art or writing is so? One possibility is that they are also that there is some underlying like maths formal rigidity there, but that was just we don't understand it. That it's like at oh, a higher level of rigidity. Shit, um, we're getting into some science of aesthetics right here. I hope no one listening knows anything about scientific aesthetics. I mean, so I have a friend who um, tried to draw a Rothko. So a lot of people make fun of Mark Rothko. You know, like, sorry, the sort of people who make fun mm. of 
any art that is not, um, you know, any abstract art, often make fun of Mark Rothko, and they're like, oh, he just drew some squares on top of each other. Like, anyone could do that. Um, and my a friend mm. of mine tried to draw uh, yeah, some Rothkos, the and I mean, they I'm came out quite really bad. They were bad Rothkos. Um, <laughs> bad Rothkos. What's a bad Rothko? <laughs> but the, How did they... Were they just well, not proportioned very well, or...? Well, so that was the thing. It was hard to say, like, what was wrong with them. Um, but they didn't quite work. At this point, was it like the blue dress, gold dress thing? It's a friend of a friend of mine. I don't know. I don't. Oh, oh, this story tailed off. Basically, what I wonder is if, like, some yeah, if there is like maths behind art, visual art, maybe that is just we haven't. There's a formula to it. Yeah, there could be. I mean, Aristotle, philosophy alert. He, he he thought that there was a kind of a golden proportion um, to, to, to composition, um, which was actually aesthetically pleasing, which which is plausible. I guess there could be evolutionary re- uh, reasons for appreciating art. Sounds... Evolutionary mm. psychology warning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beware. <laughs> beware the bullshit. Beware of the man that knows not what he talks about. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It would be hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine that there would be some kind of set formula to visual art, but at the same time, like we were saying, there is a set formula to music, so why, why could there not be for anything else, mm. you know? Um, but it would have to be a, a, a much sort of, sort of higher, deeper level than we understand music. But, um, why? but then, I mean, like taking that, for example... Um, so I am of the belief now I, I like music and I respect everyone that does it, but I'm of the belief that anyone can learn music and play music. If you sat down and learned and tried. Interesting. That's it's not true, is it? I think so. I think it is true. I think anyone could pick up, at, even at a basic level could pick up music. So wait. And that's not me putting it down or, you know, you know, belittling it. Cause I think it's an amazing thing and I love doing it, but. I think I think you can teach it. Given physical minimum requirements for playing music, I think I agree with you. Are okay. there other skills that you feel differently about? Like, you're, are you contrasting it, or is well, it a more general? I'm. I was going to then contrast it with the fact that I cannot draw or do any form of v- visual art. Mm. I not. Uh, I, I appreciate it. I like going to art galleries. I like. I enjoy art and stuff, but I cannot create it. I can't draw or anything like that. But so therefore, if we're saying that if there we're arguing that there may be a formula for, you know, the visual art, do you think therefore you could teach someone to be good at creating visual Ooh. art? Like, I think you could teach someone to be at least proficient at playing an instrument or singing or something that I think anyone could do it. Do you think anyone could do visual art? Um, so I go back and forth a lot about these kind of questions because it's really easy to generalize from your experience. Um, you know, mm. so I'm, I, I think a lot of people assume that other people's brains are more like theirs than they really are. And obviously I only really have like, I only really know about one brain and vaguely what it's capable of. Um, mm. so I, yeah, I like sure. worry about saying like, oh yeah, anyone can X, you know, they just need to like try and practice whenever. But yeah. I used to think I couldn't. Draw. I, I thought of myself as bad at art. I bought this book by Quentin Blake, actually. Um, he's this great illustrator. Okay. It's like a little, like... But Quentin Blake, who did the um, Roald Dahl? Yeah, 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 that guy. with the Yeah. yeah with the... Amazing, I love his oh, stuff. His stuff is great. So he has this book on, like, how to learn to draw for the artistically uninclined, I guess. Um, right. And it's this, like, basically a kid's book, which I enjoyed because I actually bought a second-hand copy um, that used to be owned oh, okay. by a little girl called Olive, 
who had clearly given up about Aww. 10 pages in. But for the first 10 pages, <laughs> me and Olive were like drawing together, like at the front of the book, there's this page that says like, this book belongs to, and it said Olive. And then I added like, and Ori. And it was really cute. <laughs> it was super cute. Anyway, the point is, um, I, I really feel like I learned a lot from that book. Like there's a few things that like, once you learn to do them, just like really simple things about, you know, like, mm. Uh, I don't know, perspective, direction, like all kinds of things that once you can get them right, I feel like the quality of my drawing rose a lot, even if it hasn't really risen that far yet. Right. Um, so I'm definitely more optimistic about the ability for anyone to learn to draw. So what we've learned is not that everyone can do anything, but you can probably do more than you think. So never stop trying. And that is a, that's a lot of whimsy, uh, that's a motto right there. So I guess all this begs the question, um, what advantages do you think that writing has over other communicative media? That is a good question. Such as podcasting. (laughs) Such as as us. Okay, so um, information density in writing is really high, of course. So I think for a person who reads at a reasonably fast speed, there's probably no other way to, um, you know, imbibe as much information as quickly um it's kind of writing is like the keg stand of information imbibement <laughs> i can't believe drink from my that. writing boy drink from <laughs> that yes um i think that uh the fact that you can go backwards and forwards in it obviously is very important and you know, like, no matter how we try with video or audio or anything else, it's just not as easy to rewind and fast forward. Um, I think that the impersonal nature of it is, so this podcasts are also impersonal in some way in that, like, they're not specifically directed at one person, whereas, you know, like a one-on-one class, let's say, is different. Um, yeah, that's true. But basically, like, you can teach people things through a book where, you know, like, if you say things and they already know it, they're not like, why do you think I don't know that? That's so obvious. Um, because, you know, the book is aimed at everyone and they can just say to themselves, oh, maybe that's aimed at someone else. And then the fact that sure. for different people, what's obvious is not the same. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the tonal struggles that we kind of had in trying to set this uh, or pitch this podcast, which is kind of like, we tried to kind of make it a little bit like it's just two buddies in the room having a chat. Mm. I like how you said we tried to make it that. It's like, that's... well, what, what, am I not your buddy? <laughs> yeah, no, we tried to, we really tried hard here to make it like it's two hard, buddies in God, a room. God, I can't <laughs> we're in it for the moolah <laughs> there's no money there yeah really oh, yeah, yeah. Where, no yeah where is that when when is that first check coming oh up? you didn't get yours <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah no i i think that I, I agree with that on the basis that you know a book is sort of you can aim a concept at everyone with a book and even if you write it and you're explaining the most basic concepts of you know whatever you're writing about um you know like you said someone can just be like oh that's just for the people that haven't caught up to that (laughs) bit yet yeah so yeah no that's cool it's good i think also i think that um i what i find and i know that many people have different ways of learning and remembering things but um i'm the sort of person that writing and reading are the ways that i retain information the best and i don't know if everyone else feels that way so i know some people learn by doing for example but i learn by writing and reading so for me books are always if i need to learn something i'd much rather have a a, a written material on it mm. 
and I definitely want to second like how great writing is. I mean, I feel like I learn a lot from writing stuff. Often I think I know what I think about something, but then once I start typing, it just somehow forces you to be clearer with yourself. Maybe. Um, I mean, yeah, I, it's obviously very cliche to say like, oh, I would write even if no one read it. But I, I really genuinely think I would. Like, I think it's a lot in a lot of ways how I process the world is that combo of reading interesting things and then trying to write my own interesting things. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm de- yeah, yeah sure. I'm definitely the same. Like, the, the pretty much the only way that I can program myself to retain any kind of information is to read it and then try and go and write about it, rather than try and you know re- rewrite it for rote. I go and try and make sure that I've actually retained the key concepts by trying to extend those ideas. In- yeah, it's a it's a good form of self reflection, is it not? With that said, with that said, if you want to ever check Uri's extended writing, you can check his blog out at is it www.uribram.com? <laughs> yeah, I did manage to get hold of the uribram.com domain name. Who did you, who did you have to wrestle for it? Well, actually, having said that, can I tell a cautionary tale for anyone listening? Yeah, of course you can. I bought the uribram.com domain name, you know, whatever, six, eight years ago. No one had yet found it. This is a, you know, it's an unusual name. Don't get me wrong. Uh, a mm. few years after I bought it, I accidentally let it expire, basically through cheapness. <laughs> oh, no. I felt like I couldn't afford to hold it or something. I don't really remember the exact situation. It got um, mm. squatted on by some troll website that um, oh, when you no. went to the homepage, it just said uribram.com, the <laughs> cheapest source of uribrams or bibs or, uh, or something on the internet that, for two that years. That wasn't me. Two years. <laughs> That was definitely, oh, no, you wouldn't. Did you? Oh, no. You ribram. No, you know what I would have done. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been so much weirder. Anyway, my point is, don't forget to pay for your domain name renewal and probably get your name as a .com if you can afford it. Like, that seems like a smart use of money to me. Get there before someone else does. Words of wisdom there from Murray. That is very, 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 very clever. Oh, stop it. Eddie, you're such a charmer. Yeah. Yeah, I knew, no, you know what? Be- before this podcast goes out, I'm going to buy mine. <laughs> it's just adding to cart right now. <laughs> I literally out. Uh, I'm typing it into who is. Oh, get out. Mark, I can't do this because I'm... Can you, like, quickly buy it before he does? I'm doing just, it. Just, like, I'm, jump I'm, in I'm, there. I've, I've, oh, I've no, already don't you dare. Yes. Don't you dare. Yes. Oh, amazing. No. Now I'm getting Photoshop out. <laughs> we are super, super grateful to Yuri for his time today. So, thank you, Yuri. Uri? Oh, God, why did thanks. I say Yuri? Oh, Yuri. Oh, oh, I've we done it. So well. Guys, it was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. No, oh, thanks for coming. No, thank you for coming on. It's actually been this has been my favourite podcast so far. <laughs> this, is, this, no has been, this has definitely been my favourite podcast so far. <laughs> uh, the rest of them have been dire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Guys, um, I don't know if I don't know if you listening at home know this, but or, or in your car, or on a boat, or on a plane. Let me not prejudice where you might be listening iTunes itself has recommended this podcast as a recommended podcast. New and exciting, was it? New and noteworthy. New and noteworthy. Yes. We are noteworthy. I don't know if we fall we into the are. second bracket there, but... <laughs> <laughs> we certainly are new. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> I'm assuming... And we're kind of and. 
I'm assuming that the people who make iTunes use and in the sense of the logical operator, which means that both halves have to be true in order for the same one as a whole to be true, right? No one. By conditional, I mean, motherfucker. Woo! <laughs> 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 yeah. Woo! Oh, oh, no, yeah, so, um, where can we find you? <laughs> where can That's we find not you? creepy in the slightest. <laughs> where, where can we find you? No, where, where, can, where can people... Uh, search on the wide, vast internet scape that we call the internet, and uh, where can they find you on there? Ah, well, plug um, yourself. I would <laughs> plug myself. I would recommend checking out Amazon. My books are all on there, and that's probably the best place to find my work. Um, I have my website orybram.com, but uh, I'm not going to lie; it's it's largely just a collection of. You know, like whimsical things I've written at various times. I'm not I'm not so much a blogger. Synergy. Um, and Synergy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I uh, sometimes write for magazines. Got all kinds of things going on. So um, got I, any particular articles coming out that you want? to I find? have an email list. So if you really, if you're like super keen, if you've been listening here and you're like, wait, I cannot that wait guy. for the next time I have this experience. <laughs> um, if you just pop along to my website, worrybram.com. Um, there's a sign up for my email list um, where you'll also currently, if you do it very soon, get a free copy of that audiobook of Thinking Statistically on Audible. Um, so really, like, gosh, that's just a lot of good stuff. In... That, is it. That, is, that is the most amount of good stuff. That's a, uh, yeah. a mother load of good stuff. I'm afraid you I'm going to get a paragon arrested. of good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> is it even legal? To have so much good stuff on such a good podcast, I, I think you need to have at least you have to have barely. a permit for it. <laughs> Sir, do you have your good stuff license? <laughs> ah, yes, <laughs> I leave it in my wallet. Yeah, and with that, and with that, I think uh, I think we're going to be heading out of the Wild West saloon of the Vaults of Whimsy that we've established over the course of this hour. And I think Uri's going to yeah. be uh, heading off into the Tel Aviv sunshine. Amazing. Are you, do you, do you, do you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will walk <laughs> off into the sunset right now. I just don't know how to do that on, I don't know how to do the audio for that. <laughs> do, exactly. We're going to edit in some Wild West uh, horse yeah. gallop music. Wow, wow. Cluck, 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 cluck. It's going to be good. Say bye, Eddie. Um, <laughs> bye, Eddie. Bye, Eddie. Was that the end? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that was We awesome, didn't plug ourselves at so all. That's going to need some. Uh, nah. nah. We to. Knows oh, go on. on. They're already go listening on. to us through those. Uh... No, come on. <laughs> yeah, through those means anyway. Um, what do you want to plug? I'll plug you guys, and then you can edit that in. Oh. Oh. No, I was just going to say, no, like, well, I mean... Yesterday we we put well, our website and all that, but if we do it, if that's going to be up on a podcast, then that's fine. Yeah, no, you should Surely always. I think you should always. It. Yeah, I think you should. Come on. I mean, I feel like that's what people do. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, don't take my word for it. I'm just. <laughs> so we've got a special opportunity here, and Uri's gonna gonna plug our stuff. I've just realised I haven't actually prefaced this by telling him what our URLs are. Yeah. But yeah. he's gonna well, he's gonna guess. Is... Yeah. Can you guess? Vaults of Whimsy.com is that <gasps> no it's Vaults of Whimsy.co.uk but close ah uh, okay okay so we are we else? are to be found uh, well you can find us on Twitter be... at the Vaults of Whimsy you can also download our podcast on iTunes and what else Eddie 
we, we are on YouTube, but we don't have our URL just yet, but you can find us if you search. Excellent. 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 Yes, it's very Excellent. So if you could please, uh, to those listening, if you do like this podcast and if you did love the, uh, the wonderful Uri Bram, then please get uh, on iTunes, give us a nice five-star rating and subscribe to us. It does really help. I know I'm going to start thinking statistically. Oh, I'm, are you? I know I'm going to start subscribing. Oh. Oh. Sorry. Excellent. Uri, Amazing. thanks so Excellent. much for that. Really Guys, appreciate your time today. Oh, it was so much fun. Yeah. That was really good times. Eddie, it's it was really good. great to it's meet really you. Good. I've never. Yeah, it was <laughs> lovely, mate. Hopefully, we uh, get a chance to talk again soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like that a lot. Yeah. Sure, man. And I'm going to be checking out your books because oh. they do actually sound very good. I, I came as with a position of ignorance for the <laughs> sake of you being able to uh, explain them today. But I Mark told that. me. Mark was like, "No, nah, don't even bother checking this stuff out. Just go." <laughs> <and do it." laughs> but I am that, that especially like that music that. one. That does actually sound interesting to me. So. Oh, fantastic! You make it sound like oh, we're lackadaisical or something, Eddie. Like we... <laughs> no, not this at all. This was scrupulously planned to be this unplanned. 